here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.1 FM in Johannesburg. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Let's welcome uh, Professor Wallace Chuma, who uh, is from uh, the Centre for Film and Media Studies, and we are going to be having a conversation about global media's coverage of Africa and uh, if it's been done correctly, because it's currently under the spotlight. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor Chuma. Uh, thanks a lot, Patricia, and good evening to you and to SFM listeners. I understand that uh, you at uh, the um, Centre for Film and Media Studies at UCT have uh, teamed up or had a partnership with the New York-based The Africa Centre, which has been giving the African narrative um, to the rest of the globe via media. Yes, uh, we... We entered into a partnership with uh, Africa Center based in New York, as well as Africa No Filter, based in Johannesburg. Um, so, basically, what we are, look, what we are doing is um, we are building a, a global media index, uh, looking at how global media organizations cover Africa, looking at sort of different aspects of coverage. Um, we are being very deliberate um, and um, quantitative. We are tracking in excess of 20,000 stories from in excess of two dozen uh, global organizations. Um, so I can take you through the different things that we are looking at. Um, so do you, do you want me to continue or you've got sort of... Um, <laughs> you can, continue. You can yes. continue, Professor Chima. <laughs> okay. So um, I think you would know that the story of Africa coverage by the global media is the whole, the whole history which um, part of market it is colonial, but also even today, um, close to a third of African news um, comes from sort of global media. So this is a very important uh, topic. Um, and what we are trying to do, and, and, and of course our, our, our research is not the best one, but probably all the few that is... Um, Sort of grounded empirically, and this is still pretty much working process. I must say, uh, we started this project in October last year, so we are tracking coverage of um, of a range of topics from the global media organizations. Uh, we are looking at, in terms of just a, a, a brief run out of the sample, we are looking at organizations like AP News, Al Jazeera, Tribune, Bloomberg, Reuters, CNN, uh, and also media like the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, The Guardian, etc. etc. Uh, so we want to try to understand just how African stories are told by these organizations, who is telling the African story, uh, and who is who speaks in those stories, who is quoted, who is cited, what are they saying, uh, and who writes those stories, stories. Is it African media practitioners themselves? Uh, employed by the global media, is it local correspondence of international media? Uh, is it uh, you know uh, battles from you know, so flown in from 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 Washington, London? Um, so who speaks that is we also talk, we are looking at that. Is it citizens, side organization? Is it experts? Uh, 
and and what's the gender of those people that are given voice or salience in these stories? We're looking at topics that are covered as well. Um, what topics are covered? As you would know, there's a lot of research around the preponderance of a particular brand of topics about Africa, like you know, corruption, conflict, war, uh, illness, and disease. So also looking at that, um, what what topics are given prominence? Um, in global media about Africa. And we also look at different African countries. So we, are, we will run algorithms on each of the 54 African countries. Um, how is Africa covered? How is it if I say from Nigeria or Malawi or Gabon? Uh, we look at uh, the extent and salience of the coverage. What exactly is it saying? Um, how detailed is the coverage? Um, problem definition, uh, possible solutions, um, sentiment as well. I'm just running through the variables. Yeah. Uh, Professor Chuma, but sometimes we need to also be honest with ourselves as Africans. When we listen to any headline about Africa that comes from global media, it's it's sometimes very warped to the wrong direction. I'm I'm I'm, I'm looking at the case in uh, northern Mozambique, right, with the insurgents there. Uh, we haven't really gotten real facts from global media, but instead it's been very sentimentally driven um, and, and it, it also has brought in a lot of you know, shock that will possibly stop people from traveling to Mozambique for tourism's sake. But when you talk to people who are from Mozambique, who are in Mozambique, the story becomes a bit different. So how can those things be addressed? I know you are working with uh, such a project, but how can they be addressed? That global media gives us facts, but those facts should not take away from the beauty uh, that Africa has. Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Look, the first thing uh, <laughs> I'll say is for journalists to go there, you know, go be on the ground, experience, experience the situation, experience the environment. Uh, of course, it's not always easy to be in a war zone, but uh, you, 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 you cannot write about Mozambique from the comfort of, of London or New York, or even of, or, or even of Johannesburg. You need to be on the ground, one or the other. Uh, that's one thing. So I think there is that need to also balance the, sort of the conventional um, norms of journalism, which tend to be based on, you know, the, drama, the dramatic and, you know, that kind of thing, but also, like, a, a coverage that's informed by the realities on the ground, but also not emphasizing the shocking aspect, the brutal aspect, the, the usual framing that we're used to. Uh, so I think the long and short of it would be, I would say, go there, go experience, um, the situation on the ground. Talk to people. That's the other thing that we 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 also tracking to say who are, whose voices are given permanence in this story. Uh, is it just the experts and the citizens also uh, being cited? Because in any situation of conflict, there are certain people on the ground who are in all likelihood looking at solutions to that conflict. You know, who are making interventions uh, to to mitigate. Um, the situation on the ground was directly affected. But when we pop in like journalists, sort of like, you know, helicopter journalism, if you could call it that way, and draw up our narrative based on the way we've covered things in the past, 
the, the outcome is likely to be the, the drama and the sort of the nihilism, the, the shock stories that you are referring to. So the long and short of it is, I would say, go on the ground, talk to local people, get a diversity of voices as well. Because many of those stories, like diversity, is just one predominant voice, the usual voice, the usual narrative. Professor Chuma, and with the work that you're currently doing, um, do you feel that there will be receptiveness from global media? Well, I'm a researcher, and the, uh, my view is that, and the view of my colleagues I'm working with, um, is that we do research and we put out there uh, in the hope that, it, it, you know, policymakers take note of it, um, and also the media organizations themselves. Um, already there's been quite a lot of interest uh, from other media organizations that I will not, I will not um, mention now because we are looking at them, we are studying them, you know, they want to understand what we are doing. So basically, I think, so, so media organ- global media organizations uh, would, would, would do best to understand or read the kind of, the kind of studies that we are looking at now, but that will also help them um, to improve their coverage of the continent. So we are not only a sort of weak chance to, to identify, you know, so-called culprits, et cetera, et cetera, and, 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 and name and shame them. No, not at all. We, we are doing an index which showcases uh, best practice in, in, in reporting um, of, sort of the, the African continent. So we're looking at things like, you know, the diversity of topics, the diversity of sources, um, the scope of coverage, is it right? There's social justice issues, climate change, peace building, et cetera, et cetera, issues around prominence and issues around context. So uh, I, I cannot speak for those international organizations, but they would do better if they could take note of some of the work that we are doing, basically to improve the, their coverage. Because I think it also works good for them if their coverage is more comprehensive um, and, and nuanced, as opposed to the usual sort of. Um, stereotypes of, of an entire continent. That's not, that's not sustainable at all, especially in this day and age. Let me go to some of the messages from our listeners. This one from Donald in Rustenburg who says, Good evening, Patricia and all A-teamers. Can you please ask Professor Chuma about the voice of America, about its reporting on Africa's affairs? Is it balanced or one-sided, according to him? Um, VOA is one of the organizations that we are looking at. Uh, we are actually busy um, curating content from them. And at this stage, it, it's, uh, I cannot give an empirical sound uh, response to that to say whether they are biased or not. Um, I mean, that would be basically what I would call strict knowledge because it won't be based on fact. But I must also say that we, we, we are not believing that coverage is, you know, neutral or value-free or necessarily objective. No, no, that, 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 that is an ideal which perhaps cannot be uh, attained. Um, I, I would think that Voice of America would cover, say, American foreign policy or African issues or Asian issues from a particular point of view. That is granted. There is no coverage that is necessarily and always objective. There is a certain perspective from which journalists cover this story. That is given, that is fine. Uh, but what we are looking at, what we are worried about, what we want to correct is sort of 
deliberate uh, lies, if you can say that, exaggeration, stereotypes, coverage, uh, agenda cutting, where certain things are, are supposed to be in stories are deeply left out, or a disproportionate use of certain sources against others. You know, stories are told from the best, from a particular range of sources, and others are just, uh, entirely ignored. So, so, so those are the kinds of things that we look at. So the long and short, in terms of the response to the to the to the listener, is that I don't think West of America would be entirely sort of neutral or objective in their coverage. I think they would take a particular position in respect of Africa. Um, what what that position what that position is, it's only for me to say. Okay, here's another one uh, from Voya, who's in Bloemfontein, who says, Hi, Patricia. Please ask what kind of influence do African stories uh, told by Africans have on countries in the West? Do we even have influence <laughs> with the stories that we tell? The, the, in fact, if I had this correctly, they want to know the influence of African stories uh, on policymakers in the West. It's African stories told by Africans. What influence do they have on countries in the West? So if we tell our own stories... That's a very, that's yeah. a very, Go ahead. That's a very interesting question. Uh, look, I don't have empirical evidence uh, to, 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 to pick up what I'm going to say, but I would imagine that that influence is very minimal. In large measure, because, because of the colonial history, um, much of Africa and African storytelling is done by, uh, by, by the West, especially uh, Europe. And, 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 and the, the information disequilibrium that's been there since from the colonial time continues today. Um, stories that are generated from Africa and generated by Africans rarely make it into the so-called global, so the global north, if you, look, if you, you know, if you like. Uh, into in, 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 in global, not uh, uh, policy making uh, structure. So, so you would find a situation where you know uh, politicians and governments in the north, in the global north, still rely on their own uh, organisations or media organisations to frame policies around the African continent. So, I would say because of the asymmetrical power relations between Africa and 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 and, and the global north. I would rather to say that the influence of African storytellers or news, news makers, news uh, tellers themselves, is quite limited, and that that's quite sad, if I may put it that way. Well, it is uh, quite sad that our own stories are not uh, getting out there. Ha- has the influence on um, local African journalists been very Westernized? Um, in terms of their their telling of what happens within uh, the continent, just so that they can, um, you know, fit the status quo of what's currently happening in the media space. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, consider consider journalism and media training in Africa is basically um, um, a a European uh, colonial uh, thing. Many of the continent's media training institutions, including those, including those in South Africa, have their history in 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 in, uh, in colonial journalism training. Look at the curriculum. Uh, there, there are changes, obviously. There have been changes over the past couple of years. Uh, 
but most of the values of news making, of news writing, are still derived from sort of from from the West. So journalists are, you know, trained out of universities and other training institutions to get into newsrooms, which newsrooms themselves are also colonial uh, creatures, if you can put it that way. So, 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 so there is that colonial influence that still, that is still there. Uh, even the languages of the news um, in, in most parts of the continent, they are still English and French and Portuguese. Um, so, so, and language is not neutral, by the way. It's a career of a whole range of things. So, so that influence is still there. Uh, another thing that is, in my view and in my experience as a former journalist, that is said is that many African newsrooms, um, these media organizations, have not invested sufficiently in their own journalists, but also in covering the continent. In other words, you know, uh, many media organizations, including the SABC, haven't, in my view, haven't invested in covering uh, nearby, even neighboring countries like Scotland or Zimbabwe uh, or the entire continent. So that leaves global media organization in charge of covering the continent. In other words, we know what's happening in Cote d'Ivoire uh, from, 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 from Radio France International or, or APOF or any of the other organizations uh, before, you know, our own organizations based in Africa um, can give us that news. So in other words, there is that continuation. And um, it's sad because it leaves Africa at the mercy of the global narrative, which don't assist us at all. Uh, quickly, um, Professor Chuma, how do we make sure that uh, journalists who are being churned in Africa, um, who graduate, who come out and start telling our stories, are doing so authentically, uh, without any notes of being colonial, um, without any notes of being uh, Western bias, but being authentic to us as Africans, irregardless of the language that they use? Well, it's not a very <laughs> easy uh um, there, there are no easy solutions here, not least because journalism itself is going through a lot of change, uh, some of which really bad. You know, the financing is bad. I'm sure you know about that. Journalists uh, mm. worldwide uh, are in precarious positions, you know, finances. But also, there are possibilities if you look at the new uh, sort of digital media ecology. The long and short of it is that uh, from journalism training, we need to open up discussions around what an African journalist is, who, sorry, who the African journalist is, what issues should they focus on, um, what is authentic about this content, how to be an authentic African journalist, but also to empower journalists who are out there, uh, you know, when they start doing their work. Are they supported within newsrooms? Are they given sufficient resources? Uh, to go out there and cover. Just look at what's happening with Mozambique now, the example that she started uh, earlier in this conversation. Um, do we have journalists who can actually go there, uh, sufficiently bold, um, sufficiently deep for breach to, to go and do their work? So for me, it starts with training, but also the institutions of journalism, the sort of media institutions, providing sufficient support to the journalists. Because if left on their own, they can't do much. They can't achieve much. So this should be a collective kind of thing, from training 
to the organizations themselves. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's probably the best way around. Professor Chima, thank you very much for joining us this evening and thank you for shedding insight. Uh, please do keep us posted with all the work that you're doing with the global media. Thanks a lot, Patricia. A-teamers, it's a minute after 11. Let's go straight to the news with Mudupi Mahalimela, who's going to give us the final bulletin. Thank you very much, uh, Mudupi. Hola.